You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, thanks for joining me on this little discussion we're having on a kind of a heavy topic, right? We're chatting about depression. If you didn't catch the episode last week, I talked about a bunch of stuff, but I really, one of the things that I really wanted to make sure you guys took away from that and pause there, I guess I should say, if you didn't catch last week, I'd go back and listen to it. It'll give you some context for where we're headed this week. But one of the things I really wanted you to hang on to and pull away from the conversation of depression was our the common enemy that exists in all of the things, whether it's a situational thing that you can control, whether it's something you cannot control, whether it's just spiritual warfare that is knocking on your door, the enemy of your soul, Satan, who desires to crush you, to destroy you, he is the one that's always at work in these things. And and I wanted us to be able to see and be able to identify who this common enemy is. At the same time, I realized that as I'm saying that, yes, that's not a good thing. We don't want to let him mess with us. We really don't. The other thing that I think sometimes with depression is that we just want it to go away so badly, right? We want it to never be part of our life again. We, Or if maybe you've never gone through it, you're just like, man, I, I just don't ever, ever want to experience that. I get that. But I think there's another side of this that when we are in those seasons, as weird as this is going to sound and hear this from somebody who has gone through it and has, you know, I've just I know that this is something that I'm going to kind of struggle with throughout my life. But there's a, a piece to it. and You're going to go, Amy, you're nuts. I'm thankful for it. What did you just say that you're thankful for seasons of depression and darkness and tough times? Yeah, I am. And I know that sounds weird and I know that sounds completely opposite of what culture would tell us because, man, you want to avoid pain. You want to avoid anything that's terrible. And no, I'm not just being crazy masochistic over here. But I have also experienced in seasons of depression and dark times and times where you just feel like, man, Lord, where are you? What's going on? That as you sit there with the Lord in that in those seasons, he shows up in a way that is unlike your best mountaintop experience. And and I don't say that lightly. I really do think that in our Lord's goodness and kindness and vastness of all of the things that he is, that he is capable of meeting us and seeing us at that high, that mountaintop experience. And he is also equally present right there in the lowest of the lows. So as strange as it seems, it's something that just makes me love the Lord even more that he shows up in both and he's very much there. So there's two things there, right? There is, yes, we want to know who the enemy is. And I do think that scripture really equips us to tackle the enemy. I could talk to you guys last week about, you know, we are an incredibly over medicated and uh, antidepressants are everywhere. Now studies are showing like, oops, those might not actually be super helpful. So that's there. We'll put that over there. But then what about what do we do with what we got? Okay, we have crazy numbers, crazy statistics of people that suffer from depression, particularly women. This is something that really knocks on the doors for women, teenagers, college, I mean, young kids in general. It's just a really big deal. And it's all in our culture. And I feel like it is this there's something here that I think we need to look at this topic and go, is this a disease of our soul? So 
I'm spending these two pieces on it last week, just kind of identifying the enemy, kind of giving us some context for the the broader topic. And then today I want to really get hopefully crazy, crazy practical with God's word on this. And I do want to give us some examples to um, just in the study of, of Daniel. I won't spend a ton of time, but I do kind of want to walk through the book of Daniel because I think we can see where we fit in these seasons as Daniel walked through some things. So let's just jump right in. Let me first tell you where I'm headed with uh, the idea with Daniel. Love studying Daniel. I love studying Daniel. Right out of the gate, when Daniel here, if if you've never read Daniel, give you a little context here for the book. You know, he and his buddies are taken captive from Jerusalem and they're brought to this foreign land called Babylon, which is a very godless, they worship false gods, they do all kinds of pagan practices. Definitely not how Daniel and his good Jewish boyfriends were all raised. Like this, this would have been a very abrupt cultural uprooting for them. So in the very first chapter of Daniel, you see Daniel with his friends, and they are they are selected by some of the king's officials of being the best and the brightest of the of the Jewish boys. And so they want to set them apart, give them special treatment, give them the king's food, and do all of these things. And in this first chapter of Daniel, what you see is Daniel's interesting response to this. He he sees what they're at, what they're offering, which probably would have been pretty tempting, right? It was the king's food, right? This was all the good stuff. But Daniel's response is maybe not what you would expect. And it would seem it was kind of in the minority because this is the it's him and his three friends that are talked about. So probably the rest of his friends that he was taken captive with, they did not go this path. They went ahead and took the king's meat and all of that kind of stuff. But Daniel, it says in chapter one, it says Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. So he resolved to do this. Now, there's been all kinds of things um, you've probably heard of the Daniel fast. And I say that because I've honestly, I think people have talked about this. I think I've seen books back when there used to be Christian bookstores. There used to be probably a book called the Daniel fast. And I'm not even sure what it's what it is because I've never done it. But I think it's where they, you know, they abstain from certain foods and it's a certain period of time and and so I, I'm not speaking to that, but I am going to use that term a little bit. And I hope you won't just hear it through the filter of maybe a, a book or something that you read and you're like, oh, what is she talking about? Is that it? No. But he does do this kind of fast where he won't eat the king's meat. He's not going to do the things that they are recommending. OK. And instead, he says, you know what? Just give us vegetables. Just just give us this diet over here. So he does suggest something in replacement. And then at the end of the time, at the end of the 30 days, let's let's see who's doing better. Now, what I think is interesting about this idea of what Daniel does here, first of all, he he resolves that he's not going to do something that the world thinks is so the way to go. And instead, he's going to say, let's do this. And he, you know, offers his suggestion of what would have been kosher foods, which would have been things that his Jewish upbringing would have told him that this is the way you're supposed to do it. It would have been honoring the Levitical law. So that's what he decides to do. You can expand this a little bit and say, "Okay, so what he's choosing to do is I'm not going to do what the world says, but I am going to do what God says. Now, what does that look like for us? You're like, how in the world, what does this have to do with depression? Well, you remember last week we talked about the things that we are taking in, you know, that those distractions and the things that can be in our uh, soil, the things that we're tilling our soil with, what we're feeding it with, what we're watering it is going to have some kind of outcome for good or for bad. Daniel's example here is that he's like, you know, I'm not going to take in the stuff that the world is offering me or in this case, what the king is offering. And instead, I'm only going to do what God has for me. 
And this is a radical idea here. But I I was talking with a friend about this whole depression episode. She and I have had lots of conversations about this. She has friends that have, she's walked through this with them and counseled them. And it's, it's just hard. And we were likening this to what Daniel does here. And, you know, our world right now wants to say, hey, you know what? If you're depressed, take this pill. You'll be good to go. Now, if you put that in the model of what we're seeing here in Daniel, where he abstains from something that the world is offering, and instead he says, I'm going to do what God's word word says. It could be a similar kind of Daniel fast. Now, this is the part where the psychiatrists and all the people would say, oh, my goodness, that's such a terrible idea because we know, we know, right, that it all has things to do with your brain. And that's why you're going through depression. Well, that's why I thought it was so important to bring up that study last week, because actually, as it turns out, that is not what they can't. They're not. They're saying they actually, no, I don't think the chemical imbalance thing has anything to do with that. So depression's not gone away, but their their reason and their thing about what they're trying to link it to it is not not working out. And so the prescriptive that they've been giving, well, it's turning out that that's not as helpful as they had thought either. So what could we do where we could look at something that God's word has for us? Could it be that instead of taking the prescriptives or the things that the world will recommend to us that we need to do to take care of our symptoms, to get us out of the hole that we're in, to, you know, write our thinking and and help us to move through and out of our season of depression? What if we set those things aside and instead replace it with something? What could we replace it with? Now, now go back to last week when we were talking about the parable of the sower and we were talking about our soil, what we're watering it and what we're feeding it. What does your diet look like as it comes to what you're feeding your brain? What are you feeding your soul? I'll just get right to it. How much time are you spending in the word of God? How much time are you spending praying and seeking him? Remember Psalm 42 that we read last week where it, where David is really pouring out how much he is hungering after the Lord, panting after the Lord. Are you there? Are you on that place where you're doing that? Now, please do not hear this as like, oh, see, you're one of those Christians that doing that guilt trippy thing that you're just not reading your Bible and praying enough. Go back and listen to last week because nope, that is not what I'm saying. But I do think that scripture equips us through dark, low seasons. And I'm just going back with this Daniel idea. What if we tried that for 30 days? What if you took some scriptures, and I'm going to give you some at the very end of this podcast. I'm just going to give you some of my go-tos. But what if you took six scriptures that you chose to have right beside your bed and you decided to spend 10, 15 minutes every morning, every night reading those scriptures, reading them to yourself, reading them out loud, praying those scriptures? What if you did that for 30 days and then saw how you were doing? I wonder if we would see the condition of our soil change, if you would see that instead of taking what the world has for you and instead replacing it with what the Lord has for you, what would happen there? Now, like we talked about last week, there's other things that we feed that the world feeds us that can be really unhelpful as well. You know, we talked about social media. Maybe what your Daniel fast looks like when you are really struggling and going through dark times is zero social media. And I do mean zero. 
like totally, totally take it off. Delete delete the app off your phone. Don't look at it on your iPad. Don't look at it on your computer. Don't look over your husband's shoulder when he's looking on it. I mean, I mean nothing. Take it away. And see in, in 30 days, how has that helped? How is this look? Now, I'm, I'm throwing out these numbers. This is not a prescriptive. This is not like the Bible saying, you know, this is a certain amount. I am taking a biblical construct of something and asking you to pray about that because I do think there is a truth of God's word here that when we when we take something that the world is offering and we say, no, I'm going to seek after the Lord, like what David was saying. I'm going to do that. And then let's see where we're at. I think it's an interesting challenge that Daniel presents us with. So I think that's one of the things that we see in Daniel. Um, we see his his choice of what he chose to take away and what he chose to have instead. The next thing we see in Daniel is everybody's favorite story in Daniel 3 about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. I love this story. Got kind of a crazy king in there. I am telling you right now, if you're not an Athe Creeker, or maybe you are an Athe Creeker and you've never heard Pastor Brett talk about this story, go download the teaching from athecreek.com on Daniel 3, because I it's truly the way that he kind of retells the story of, of Daniel 3. He, he pictures Nebuchadnezzar as being like a Don Knotts character, and I just can't unsee it whenever I read Daniel now, whenever I read Daniel 3. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like everyone else in Babylon. They're ordered to bow down before the king's image. It's the statue of gold. And it, the the story is like almost sing-songy. It's like, you know, every time the, the harp, the lyre, you know, all of these things, whenever they come out and play the song, everybody needs to bow down and worship this, this image. Well, if you've not read the story, or if you have, you know how this goes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not going for this. They're not going to do it. So the king get just is outraged that anyone would would ever stand up to him and he's so mad about this but i love shadrach meshach and abednego's response they answer the king and they say oh nebuchadnezzar we have no need to answer you in this matter which that's kind of an interesting statement in and of itself like they're not very scared by him which is interesting it says if this be so our god whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand O king but then here's the key. Verse 18 of Daniel chapter three, mark it in your Bible. It says, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. But if not, the faith of these three men is so, so cool. So where we want to be. They, they know, they've seen the landscape around them. They've been there in captivity. I don't know exactly how long this would have been from there there, but they, they understand Babylon's harsh torture and that you didn't mess with the Babylonians. I mean, they were really brutal people. Nebuchadnezzar was not one to be trifled with. You don't even hear any fear in their voices within this verse when they say, we have no need to answer you. But then they say, but if not, Meaning they had resolved themselves that regardless of if the Lord was going to choose that they go ahead and they do get thrown into this fiery furnace, they're still not going to do what King Nebuchadnezzar had asked of them. And it's this faith that is amazing to me that, but if not. Now, as the story goes on, he gets all ticked off, of course, Nebuchadnezzar does, and he throws them in to the fiery furnace, which he's heated up hotter than it's ever been, right? So hot that it actually kills one of his guards that's throwing them in there because it's so hot. Throws them in. Now, they they observe the three men in there and they say this in verse 24. It says, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? 
And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And in verse 25, he says, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So here is that, here's the full story, right? You have the, but if not, meaning, okay, we're ready. We're going to do, and we're going to be obedient to what the Lord has called us to regardless. They get thrown into the fire and something interesting happens, right? Not only are they not burned up, but they're walking around freely and it says the, a fourth man appears and he has the appearance of the son of the gods. As this relates to depression, because you're going, wow, great story. I have no idea what this is talking about with depression, but maybe you do because maybe you have been thrown into the fiery furnace that is seven times hotter and, and it, it's horrible. Now, the but if not part, that is the, that is the piece that I would love to tell you that if you've gone through a real rough season of depression, maybe it's in the rearview mirror for you. And you're like, man, I'm so glad I'm through that. I never want to do it again. Here's the but if not. You might go through it again. You might go through it again. But the question will be, will you still have that same level of faith in God to be that fourth man in the fire? Because that's what I love, love, love about this story. They do get thrown in the fire. They are freed right? Their chains, their bonds are completely released. They're walking freely in the fire. It's hot. It's not, it, this is not a fun place to be. They seemingly in this terrible place to be are free walking around. And why? Because Jesus showed up in the fire. And this is why I think this is so amazing. Sometimes with depression, as much as it's horrible and we're like, oh, I don't want to go through this again. Sometimes that's where you see Jesus walking right there with you, even freeing you in a way that you weren't when you were on the other side of the fire, when you were outside and you weren't all hot and toasty. He showed up in a way in the fire that you didn't see him before. And experientially, just my own experience, and I know I'm not alone in this. I know there's others of you out there. You have felt this where when you have been in these darkest seasons or you've been in these times where the fire was so much hotter than the world thought was even possible for you to survive, you saw Jesus show up in a way that he only could have been there in the fire. And I love that. So I guess what I take away from this little piece of Daniel is that perhaps the fire isn't something necessarily to be avoided at all costs. And again, I know that sounds nuts. I said that at the beginning too. But, you know, our flesh wants to, of course, avoid all pain and we don't want to be in those. But don't be resistant to the things that the Lord wants to show up, do, bless you, free you from in the midst of the fire because you just might go through it again. And I don't say that to be fatalistic or make you sad or anything like that, but maybe to change your perspective on when you do go through trial, when you go through things where you're in that fire to look for Jesus because he's, he's right around there. So that's the next thing I like in the story of Daniel. The next one is in Daniel 6. And again, very famous story. This is Daniel in the lion's den. Okay, so what happens here in this story? So in this one, different king, not King Nebuchadnezzar anymore, but this king, Darius, has some advisors that kind of give him some bad advice. Now, I, I would imagine that these advisors were probably not big fans of Daniel, and they just kind of wanted to get him. They just wanted to, whatever they could to get rid of him, that's what they wanted to do. And they observe something about Daniel. Daniel has this crazy habit where he prays all the time. 
He prays all the time. So let's plant the seed with with King Darius that if anybody gives worship or praise or anything to any king, but you, great Darius, that he should be thrown into the lion's den. So Darius thinks like, okay, this is this is a good idea. I like this. So here's what I love. Daniel's response when he hears about this edict that was signed that says, here's the deal. You're going to be thrown into lions if you pray. He does. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't panic. There's there's zero record of that. But as you read Daniel 6, it says in verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, wide open. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And I love this line, as he had done previously. In other words, Daniel did nothing to be in fear of man. He did nothing that would change what his habits and the things that he was already doing. Nope. He just kept on going. And he, and he did it right in front of an open window. You might be thinking, well, okay, maybe he could have prayed, but maybe at least he could have closed the window and you know, not made it so obvious. But nope, that's not what Daniel does. Daniel goes in front of his open window and he prays three times, but it's not for show. No, no, no. It's just as he had always done. He just keeps doing it. And so then you know how the story goes, you know, he gets then thrown into the lion's den, right? He violated the king's order and you just didn't do that. And and, and you read the story, Darius seemed to like Daniel. I don't, he didn't want to do this, but the law is the law. It was signed. And so they have to do it. And so as you read the story, it's so interesting because there he is, he's thrown in to this pit of lions. And I mean, if you do any kind of reading or history research on what this was like, they, it's not like they just threw in, they had these nice, sweet little lions that were fed three times a day. And it went, no, no, no. They like starved these creatures until, I mean, they were vicious, vicious. I mean, they, there are stories that they would say that they'd throw them in that often before they would even hit the ground, you know, <laughs> they would be the they would be destroyed that's hungry lions okay well daniel gets thrown down into this lion into the lion's den into this pit but nothing and how we know that we don't we don't really know what that night was like but i think we can we can imagine you know when darius comes down the next morning and he they they open up the pit and they look down daniel's fine He's walking around. I don't know. Was was he petting a lion? Was it, what did this look like? I'm not real sure. But I love the picture that it's giving us of, you know, in the New Testament, it talks about how Satan is a roaring lion. We read that last week, that verse in Second Peter. And 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 so it's a similar, it's a good picture to to see, but he's kind of a toothless one. He was not allowed to touch Daniel. The Lord had protected him. So as we think about how this hits us with depression. You know, you can feel like you are in the pit and you can feel like Satan, the roaring lion, is, you know, closing in on you, that he is growling and you can feel his breath right on you. But I love this picture that he was not allowed to harm Daniel. I love John 10, 28, when it says, and when Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You know, the enemy, he he's scary. He runs around and he roars a lot. He makes a lot of noise. But just like Daniel in the lion's den, he, he couldn't harm Daniel. That was, he was God's. And God appoints our days, not the enemy. So I love this picture as well, that when we're in that pit, to be reminded that as ugly as the enemy might be in that time, we cannot be snatched out of our God's hand. 
So important to remember that. The other thing that I just want to look at with Daniel is that this man was truly, truly, truly a man of prayer. You know, there there's several prayers in the book of Daniel, and uh, Daniel 2 has one of them, Daniel 6, uh, Daniel 9 is the other one, and they're really great prayers to read. And and even this, the story I just talked to you about, the um, Daniel in the lion's den one, how he, he had a habit of prayer. He prayed three times a day, and he was very open about this, but he was very consistent about this. I, I just love that model. But it makes me wonder, how did Daniel's prayer life play into how he went through these trials, how it was when he when he faced these kings. Uh, you know, as you read the rest of Daniel, he was blessed with these amazing visions and things that the Lord showed him. Do you, I wonder, would that have happened without him first being the man of prayer that he was? Like he had a relationship and a communion with the Lord that then allowed other blessings and other things to be revealed to him. But there's this root piece of prayer that I think that we see with Daniel that I think we can learn from. One of the things that I love about Daniel's prayers is how he is praising and honoring the Lord. Listen to what he says in Daniel 2, verse 20 through 23. It says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. You know, he's praying this after God reveals to him Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And then he goes and he tells um, Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was and the interpretation of it. But I love how he is just pointing to praise. And this is a really short prayer, but what just to even pray that those words of praise back to the Lord, acknowledging that you, God, are the one that changes times and seasons. This season that you're in, God controls this time and season. He does. He knows exactly the day, the minute, the hour, all of the things when you're going to move from maybe the one piece of like feeling like you're as low as you can possibly get to, oh, maybe things are getting a little better. He, he knows all of those. He knows all the times and the seasons. He is a God that has all knowledge and has all understanding. Like he, he knows you inside and out. We don't have to wonder about the things that we don't even understand in our own minds. The Lord knows them all. Uh, Psalm reminds us that he knows even our thoughts from afar. He, he's got even that. But I love what it says too in verse 22 when it said, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Man, when we are going through seasons of depression, it does feel really dark, but he knows what is in the darkness. He's there in that fire. He's, he's standing around there and we're going to be able to see him in a way in that darkness. And it says that the light dwells with him. And that's what we're looking for. Do a study. You could you could read all of the prayers that Daniel has, but I, I love this anchoring piece of Daniel that all throughout the book, you consistently just see him being a man of prayer. And you see him go through these things that I think we can liken to difficult times that we can face too. And I think we can learn something from Daniel in what we want to be as women who pray, that it, we want to be consistently in prayer. We want to be doing it you know, just as we did before. 
And, you know, when it says the three times a day, sometimes people go, you know, make a whole weird legalistic thing about that. Don't do that. Think of praying as something you can just do all the time. You know, it, it tells us in the New Testament in First Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Just just pray. I love that. We get the access to do that. And I know that we we say that so much as Christians that we kind of belittle the power of it. But it's so important. And I love seeing that anchor of being someone, a man of prayer that Daniel had, that I think we can see how that just bared so much fruit in his life. And I think it can do the same in our lives, being women who just truly, truly pray. Now, I told you guys I wanted to get as practical as I could on this. And so I want to come back to where we talked about last week, that this is a spiritual battle. And as being a spiritual battle, we need to be dressed appropriately, okay? This is not a battle that you want to be in your jammies for. Now, I, I want to pause here and back up because as I was preparing for this, and this is not something I have done very often on the podcast, but I felt that the Lord was really putting this on my heart this time in that likely if you're listening to this podcast, you know, it's a podcast that's here dedicated to pointing women to God's word. I mean, that's what we're here for. And likely if if you're listening, you've accepted what we Christians always refer to as the gospel, the good news. But I'm going to lay this out anyway, because every week, folks, People come to church and, you know, probably are on our podcast too, thinking I'm a Christian. I do good. I go to church. I even read my Bible. I even listen to the devoted podcast. And I might have even looked up that scripture that she said, you know, but they may have never actually prayed and said, Lord, I am a sinner. No, really really, really, I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, forgives me, rose again so that I can spend eternity with him. That's the gospel. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. That is the gospel. Believing, speaking with your mouth, believing that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose again. It says you believe that, you speak it with your mouth, you're saved. It is extremely easy it is extremely f- freeing, and I'm not exaggerating to say it's 100% life or death. It, it, it just is. So I, 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 f- I just feel like we need to say that and, and realize that if that's something that you have not prayed, as we talk about this conversation with, uh, with depression, spiritual battles, spiritual warfare, you are dressed in your jammies right now for this fight. And I'm talking like, think Middle Ages warfare like the really gory kind where everyone else is in their armor and you go out there with your Nerf gun wearing your favorite sweatpants. Like that's what you are equipped for. You're going to get slaughtered. You're going to get slaughtered. You're like, aim. this is a women's podcast. Don't use such graphic terms. But I'm just saying it's that gory and it's, it's yuck. That's what it's like walking through life without the Lord. So I know that I think we, I, and I, this is on me, wrongly assume too many times that everyone that listens to this has actually heard the gospel, has actually accepted who the, who the Lord is, what he's done for you, and repented of our sins. Because we talk about sin a lot on this podcast. We've got to. Because it's the condition of our soul. But the, 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 that's, a ba- that's a black backdrop, but it's amazing news because there's something that we can do about it, you know? 
And it's not something that we did. It's something that he did for us. So if that is not something you've done, I'm just telling you right now, pause the podcast. Don't wait. Pray that. Pray and accept the gospel, accept what Jesus did for you, and you will be saved. You will be free from your sin and eternally, man, you get to spend eternity with Jesus. Now, it's a it's a misnomer that people will say, well, like that you're just going to you you pray that prayer and then you're just going to be happy and everything's going to go great. Man, your depression's going to go away. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be awesome. No, it does not mean that. It means you might still be in that fire, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it means that fourth man is going to be right there with you. The gospel is so important. So maybe you didn't need to hear that. Maybe you have accepted the gospel and you know who Jesus is, but maybe the the person that you have been praying for that is struggling in depression, maybe your daughter that is struggling, maybe your sister or your mom, maybe they have not accepted the gospel. And that is like, the, that's got to be our first stop. That's got to be our first stop in order to be equipped as we go through really dark times like this. And that's on us. That's on me. That's on you guys to tell them, to tell them. That's not just reserved for somebody on a podcast. That's not reserved for the pastor at your church. That is for every single one of us to tell the life, the saving grace of the gospel of Jesus. That's for all of us. So tell them. Simple, it's freeing, and it's the biggest thing we'll ever do, right? So I had I need to I needed to say that. But now let's talk a little bit further about what some of the clothing looks like for this fight. Because like I said, you're either going to be in your, you know, yoga pants and your Nerf gun, or you're going to do what Ephesians 6 says and you're going to put on the full armor of God. I did a whole podcast on the full armor of God. So if you've not heard that, go listen to that one and I'll break it down further in there. Love this passage so much. I'm going to read it through and I'm going to highlight just a couple things because it's worth hearing again. I love the repetition of these things. Chapter six, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, in his mighty power. Pause there real quick. Did you notice it says his mighty power? It's not yours. You're going through a really tough season. It's not that you're just going to be strong enough, tough enough, and man, you got this. Nope. You actually don't have this at all. You really don't. It's by his mighty power. Okay. Keep going. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. That's what we've been talking about all of this, devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this whole, of this world's darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what we talked about last week too, right? That the, the spiritual world is very, very real, more real than what we can even see and touch. Then it goes on. It says, therefore, Take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and have done everything to stand. Stand firm then. Do you, do you see a theme? Keep saying stand, stand, stand. I love this. Stand firm then with, first of all, the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness arrayed and with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition to this end, stay alert with all perseverance and in your prayers for all the saints. Ooh, this is good stuff. Okay, so several things that it breaks down for us there. It's telling us that belt of truth, okay? Don't believe the lies. 
Remember last week when we talked about the, that the enemy is a giant liar. He can't tell truth. There's no truth in him, Jesus said in John. So take on the belt of truth, acknowledging that there is truth. That's a big thing in our world today. There is not your truth. There is not my truth. No, there is the truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. So, so important. The The breastplate of righteousness. Think about, I mean, think about that. It's like having something that's protecting where your heart is, right? You can't live if your heart gets stabbed through with one of the enemy's darts. Nope. It has the breastplate of righteousness that's covering, that's protecting you. And the righteousness there is not yours. The righteousness is his righteousness that he has imputed on us. Big, you know, theological word, but it just just means he has put it upon us. We didn't have anything to do with it, but I love that. Then it says our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Take up the shield, okay, that we can, you know, what do you do with a shield? You kind of hide behind it. And it's the shield of faith specifically. When we read those things about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and when they said, but if not, that kind of faith. They were hiding behind that shield of faith. Then the last, uh, keep going, it says, take the helmet of salvation. I love it. Protecting your brain, okay? Your helmet is goes over your head. How do you need to protect yourself? How do you need to dress yourself in a way that is protecting your brain? I want to also read Colossians 3, 1 through 4, because this talks about our minds. I'll just go to verse 2. It says, set your minds on things that are above and not things that are on the earth. That is a way that you can protect your head, that helmet of salvation. And the salvation, again, is what comes from the Lord. And then it tells us the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is so, 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 so important, right? We've got to come to the word of God as that sword. It's the thing that, yes, it's a defensive weapon, but it's also an offensive weapon. It's both. And and you know how it says in scripture where it says that it it separates, like it gets to the gets to the marrow. It's a double-edged sword that can kind of cut through. Now, sometimes that cutting is happening on us because we're going to read things in scripture and we're going to go, ooh, okay, yeah, Lord, I need help with that. That's great. Let let the word of God do that kind of work on us. We need to do that. And then the, it closes this piece of after you're all dressed there, you're all ready. You're not in your yoga pants anymore. You're not with your Nerf gun. You're there with the sword of the spirit. And it says to pray in the spirit at all times, all the time all the time. So important for us to get up in the morning, be praying, talking to the Lord while you're driving. Man, you can do it out loud. You can, if you think people are going to think you're crazy. I'm at home by myself a lot. It's just quiet in my house. So I can just kind of pray and talk and do whatever. Nobody thinks I'm crazy, but you don't have to pray out loud. You can just be praying and speaking to the Lord, just even as you're thinking and as you lay down, as you get up in the morning, pray all the time. I love this. So a couple practical things here, and I'm kind of going to go through these a little bit quickly, so hopefully I don't talk too fast. But with the practical of this, just a couple things I want to mention. If you are feeling depressed, one of the first things that I would tell you is to completely dump social media, just to just to get real real and practical here. And and so, and I know I mentioned that with the Daniel piece and that kind of stuff, but you will be surprised if you feel like, man, your brain is all over the place. You feel like your attention span is about five seconds in your toast. I'm telling you, cut it out, cut it out for however long. Actually pray about, Lord, should I cut this out? How long should I cut it out? And see what the Lord shows you to do. And then when you, when the Lord tells you what you should do, do it, obey 
cut it out, delete it off your phone, you will be amazed how your thinking just changes. So that's just a real practical tip of something that we can take away the distractions and we can uh, instead spend that time doing something that feeds our soil a little bit more. The other thing I'm going to say, just super practical, listen to the word of God. Now, I say listen because this is just, again, being very vulnerable here. But when I've been through some of my hardest seasons, even reading has been challenging. And and guys, I'm a reader. I love to read. But even reading the word at times had been really hard. And I'm going to say you need to do this when you feel like it. But more than likely, more most of the time, you're not going to feel like it. And I'm going to say, especially when you don't feel like reading the word or hearing the word, that's when you should be doing it more. And and so what can this look like? Man, there are so many different things that are available to us. Some of these you might go, oh, that's kind of cheesy. I don't like it. I'm not saying that it's it's not it's not like a, you know, listening to your favorite pop album or something. It's not always going to be super upbeat, upbeat. This is the thing that is washing your mind. This is the thing that is just letting the Lord's words just wash over you is so important in all seasons, but especially these ones where you're really in that dark pit. So a couple of things I'll, I'll tell you, there is this there is an album. Um, it came out several years ago. It's called Speak to Me. And I think and when I say the artist, I don't really know how to say that because it's it's really a narration, but it's called Speak to Me. Uh, David Teams, I think, is the narrator. But then in the background is a bunch of Phil Keggy like guitar music. So maybe that's your jam. I actually had that. And all it is is scripture with this instrumental music in the background. And I just went to sleep to that for months. I just did. So that that might be a way to go. There's also the Dwell app. Um, I've never paid for the subscription, but I think I had tried the trial a couple times. So it is one that you have to pay for, but it kind of does something similar. You can pick any book in the Bible. You can pick different voices. You can pick all kinds of things. You can pick even actually they have playlists where it's just scriptures on depression and it just walks you through a whole bunch of Psalms and it'll have different piano in the back or guitar. I mean, it just does all kinds of things, tons and tons and tons of options. So maybe that's something you want to try. Or you can just do like the free audio version on the Version Bible app, which I just going to say, I do not recommend the devotional content on all of the Version stuff. But if it's just a through the Bible thing or listening to the Bible, absolutely so good. And you can just listen to it. You know, Psalm 23, it says that he restores my soul. And I, I think all of these opportunities that we can just practically get to take in more of God's word, that's the effect that it has, is restoring our soul. The next just real practical thing I'll give you is to do anything for someone else. Do anything for someone else. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse four goes on to say, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I bring this one up and I hope y'all don't hear that I'm being overly terribly harsh or anything like this. But there again, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. There is something with depression that becomes very cyclical and very, very self-focused. And, and it, you just constantly keep coming back to, well, but I feel this or I don't feel this or I'm crying about this or I'm not crying about this. And there are so many things in these seasons that every time the pronoun is me, it's I, it's I am, this makes me feel this, I, 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 I. It gets really, really self-absorbed. And that is just a 
kind of a nasty cycle to get into. And the best way to break that is to just make yourself do something. It can be super small because I I do hope you guys are hearing that. Man, sometimes you're in high functioning, if that is possible to say that with depression, where maybe you're kind of going through a season, but nobody else really knows. Other times you can be going through seasons of depression where to get out of bed feels like it, it just might kill you to get out of bed. So I think there is a range there of things particularly in all of them. I'm not going to give us a pass really whether you're in more of a high functioning one where no one really notices or if you are really in the throes of it. Make yourself do something for someone else. And I, and I just think these, these scriptures in Philippians of just telling us to look to the needs of others. It just helps us to, it, honestly, it's a freeing thing to give your brain a break about focusing all the things that you don't feel right about right now and how miserable you feel and all and just focus on someone else just focus on someone else it's it's a just practical really really helpful thing the last thing i'm going to give you guys is i'm going to give you six verses now these are some go-to verses for me and i'm going to read them all to you here's what i would recommend you do i'm going to actually write all of these like usually i just put the references in the notes section of the podcast i'm going to actually write the whole thing out Put all of these scriptures in there. And what I recommend that you do is you take these and you write them out. You write them out maybe more than once. Maybe you need multiple copies throughout your house. But maybe you write these six verses and you keep them on six note cards beside your bed. Maybe you keep them uh, by your mirror. Maybe you keep them in your car. And for the, the season that you're in, you read these scriptures every single morning at least once. Maybe you want to just read them over and over for five whole minutes, okay? Because these are not super long verses. Read them. Pray these scriptures to the Lord. Before you go to bed, do it again. When you get up and you're at your mirror, read one of them before you brush your teeth. You're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes, right? You could probably read all of these while you do that. Take these and just be in these words, reminding yourself of these things about who God is and and how he cares for you in this season that you're in. It's, it is really so powerful. Now, I'm providing these for you, but if you have been walking with the Lord for a long time, you may have a list of others that you draw on in these seasons, and that's awesome. But I wanted to just give a couple of the ones that I really like and go to, just in case you're somebody that you don't have some go-tos, I wanted to share mine. So here's the first one, Psalm 119.68, real short. You are good and you do good teach me your statutes. I'm trying to resist the temptation to expound on each one of these, but how beautiful is that? He is good and he does good. Even right now when nothing feels good, this is a promise of God's word. He is good and he does good. Teach me your statutes. There's the first one. The next one, Psalm 37 verses 23 through 24. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. When he delights in his way, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. Deuteronomy 31, 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Isaiah 41, 10, this one is one of my absolute faves. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lamentations 3:22. I'm giving you this one in the NIV. All the rest of an ESV, but I like this in the NIV. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, 
for his compassions never fail. I went to the NIV on that because the NIV uses the word consumed for that. And particularly as we talk about this topic, I feel like, man, sometimes depression feels consuming. It just feels like the quicksand that you just can't pull out of. And this is such a wonderful reminder to go that because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. We are not consumed. His compassions never fail. Last one, Psalm 3.3, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Man, I hope those are an encouragement to you. They sure are an encouragement to me. Like I said, I'm going to put the fullest, uh, full text of those verses in the notes, write them down, put them all over, and pray about what you should do with these. Pray about the practical things. Read through some of Daniel. How how can you take the situations that he's in? What would the Lord give you in there? Man, I'm always nervous when I, we, when I do the podcast. I am not anybody's Holy Spirit. No, no, no. I am not. You need to seek the Lord. You need to ask the Lord. And his spirit will show you. I love in the New Testament when it says that the, that the spirit will bring all these things in remembrance to you. He will do that. And I love all the ways that we can just incorporate his word more and more because it's, it'll just start rolling around in your brain. And while none of these things are going to be something that, man, you're going to recite these six verses six times a day for this many days, it's not a prescription like that. It's really not. And maybe it will take Maybe it'll take two weeks until you feel like you're on the other side of this. Maybe it'll take six months. Maybe it'll take a year. But I, the thing that I know is that he is in the fire. He's there. When we are standing with that shield of faith, when we invite him into that, man, he is with, the, with us in it. And crazy, if you could see me behind the mic right now, that makes me smile. He is in it with us. So it's okay to go through seasons of depression and darkness and that feeling like that pit of despair when the Lord's right by your side. So I hope this encourages you guys and let's just be praying, praying for each other, lifting each other up and being in the word. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.